Okay. Well, hey, everybody, it's great to have you back tonight. Thank you for coming. Um, week six of the Alpha course. Um, how many of you guys have been Alpha and Beta? How many of you have been here all six weeks? Have you made all six weeks? A couple of you have been here all six weeks. That's great. Now, look, if you make it through all ten, I'm not going to tell you what, but there is a special prize chosen just for you. So, so uh, and if... if if you've been perfect attendance online, if you've been perfect attendance online, uh, I want to know about it because there will be a special prize chosen just for you. So um, let us know about that. We want to absolutely uh, uh, acknowledge the amazing work uh, that you have done to make it through all 10 weeks. So only four more to go after this. So tonight, uh, we are talking about why and how do I pray. Before I do that, I, there, on your table, there is something I'm very excited about. At, at, here at Lakeview Christian Center on Friday night, December 4th at 7 o'clock, we're going to have some really special guests, Michael O'Brien and the Photo Sisters, who are amazing uh, vocalists and musicians. Michael is an, um, just a very accomplished piano player. He's just got a, a phenomenal style. He was here earlier in the year. The Photo Sisters are incredible as well. A totally free concert. It's going, to, it's going to get packed soon. So you can go online at lakeviewchristiancenter.com and register for the Michael O'Brien Photo Sisters uh, Christmas concert. It's going to be all Christmas music. It's going to be a great time. COVID has made it kind of difficult to put a choir together. Uh, the last time we put a choir together here at Lakeview, I think it was in March. Uh, and uh, I think maybe half of them ended up with COVID. So uh, that was the last time we did choir at Lakeview. But uh, tonight we are on page 30. Uh, why and how do I pray? Now, praying is something we all do. Uh, we prayed Sunday night that the saints would win. We, you prayed Tuesday that uh, your, your candidate would win. And some of your answer, prayers were answered. Some of you weren't. Or, or maybe, maybe it's... Maybe you don't know yet, <laughs> So, uh, but we pray. That's one thing we have in common, that all people pray to someone. And tonight we're just going to have an introduction into prayer. We're going to just kind of skim the surface, but, but I think we're going to hit on the high points that are the most important points tonight. And uh, again, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, if prayer is anything, prayer is communication. Uh, and what about, all of life is about communication. Uh, whether it's individual communication or corporate communication, we're always today looking for better ways to communicate. I mean, we've all got these things. We're looking for ways to communicate. And communication's been like never before. But many, many years ago, um, I, I saw this, these articles on communication and uh, it, this article goes like this. It says, having, after having dug to a depth of 10 feet last year, New York scientists found traces of copper wire dating back 150 years and came to the conclusion that their ancestors already had a telephone network more than 150 years ago. It's fantastic. But not to be outdone by the New Yorkers, in the weeks that followed, California scientists dug to a depth of 20 feet and shortly thereafter, headlines in the Los Angeles Times read, California architect, uh, architects, archaeologists have found traces of 250-year-old copper wire 
and have concluded that their ancestors already had an advanced high-tech communication system 150 years earlier than the New Yorkers. Well, a week later, in the Daily Advertiser, a local newspaper in Bunky, Louisiana, they reported the following. After digging as deep as 30 feet in rice fields near Forked Island, Boudreaux, a self-taught archaeologist, reported that he found absolutely nothing. <laughs> Boudreaux has therefore concluded that at least 300 years ago, Louisiana had already gone wireless. So, so um, the good news is, communication with God is always wireless. So, uh, anyway. Louisiana always on the cutting edge of technology, or the cutting edge of something. But anyway, uh, tonight, before we talk about what prayer is, let's talk about what prayer is not. Prayer is not, uh, let's make a deal. Prayer is not, I'll say 10 of these to get two of those. Uh, prayer is not um, attempting to get God to give us what we, don't and not, uh, what we want and not what we don't want based on how We've dead. I, I've had, I had a good day that day, so I'm going to ask God for stuff. No, that's, that's meology. We've been talking about meology for, for every, just about every week that we've been together here. That's, that's blessed vending machine stuff. That's hoping the, my good works or the currency that I have to make God give me what I want and not give me what I don't want. And worse than that, that kind of prayer is transactional. It's not relational. If we're going to talk about anything tonight, we're talking about communication, that prayer is at its best bedrock, relational, not transactional. Transactional is you take your money to the counter, you, you know, you put out your currency and you put it on the counter, you give it to the man at the counter at the cash register and he gives you what you want. That's a transaction. You may say, hi, hope you have a nice day, something like that, but it's a transaction. God is not into transaction. The God of the Bible has nothing to do with transaction. Everything about God is intentional. From his perspective, it's intentional and has nothing to do with a transaction, a relationless transaction. And that's what we want to know. Tonight we want to look at prayer like we've looked at every other night. We want to look at prayer like we've looked at the Bible from God's perspective. What does God have to say about that? Not do what I do, what do I think? What, do, what does God have to say about that? Well, according to the Bible, prayer is the most important activity of our lives. It's, as I said, conversation with God. The, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are involved. And just as we've talked about stereotypes that keep us outside the pages of the Bible, there are stereotypes of prayer that keep us from communicating biblically. And biblical prayer is that which is proper, it's personal, it's consistent, it's spontaneous, and it is intimate communication with God. And as I said, the Bible is essential in teaching us what prayer, or just hanging out with God, what being with God is and what it is not. And, and prayer, just like any other form of communication, is two ways. It's talking and, as difficult as this may be for many of us, it's listening as well. I have to do a much better job on the talking side than the listening side. I'm not sure about you. But God speaks directly to us. And I've found this through my years. God has spoken to me through many different avenues. He's spoken to me through 
my senses. He's spoken to me through others, through you. He's spoken to me through circumstances. And he's spoken so often through the Bible. And prayer is our, and we need to see it as this, prayer is our lifeline to God. And the main reason why is because he wants us to know him, not just know about him. And, and, and why, why is that? Well, it's more than this menu here. But why is that? Well, I, I've shared with you a couple of scriptures, and I want to share a couple of more scriptures with you tonight, some that you're already aware of. And, and this first one is, this shows us, the scripture shows us that how relational God is, that he loved us so much that he gave his son. Jesus becomes the communication source for us, that if we believe in him, we'd not perish. We'd have life with him. He wants us to know that. For God so loved us that he said, come to me. He gave us his son so that we could and that we would come to him. That prayer, which is conversation, communication, not just that prayer word, which means so little to us. I mean, some words are just so common to us. You know, they've just been turned over and had all the meaning shaken out of them. Let's talk about prayer being conversation, being communication, being listening being an attitude of awareness of a God who says, I am always there and I am always with you. So he's the one that says, come to me. Hey, you're weary, you're burdened, you had a rough day? I'll give you rest, I am your rest. He says, take all that, come to me and I will give you rest. I don't wanna go there just yet. So the Bible tells us that, that prayer is addressed to God the Father. Not, now, this, this is interesting because I, I, I think in a lot of our traditions, we don't feel like we can go directly to God. Maybe we can you know, go to a manager or a supervisor, somebody, a director in the department. Um, but that's not what the Bible teaches. Look at, look at here. This is what, these are straight out of Jesus' mouth. If the Bible's true, Jesus actually said this. Look at this in terms of prayer. He said this. He says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Now, let's kind of break that down just a little bit and, and see what these words are saying. When you pray, now look at the intimacy of this. Go into your room. Okay, there's a sense here of privacy and one-on-one. Go into your room, room close the door, and Communicate with your father who you don't see. Then your father who sees what you've done in secret without everybody around you, just you and him, will reward you. Now, I, I want you to understand, this reward doesn't mean, oh, okay, so this is what I do. I, I go into my room, I close the door, and I ask God for what I want, and he rewards me with giving me what I want. That wouldn't exactly be the case. Because God, God being relational, what he wants more than anything else is our hearts and our minds. And what he wants us to have of him more than anything else is his heart and his mind to the degree in which we mere mortals can understand that. But that's what he wants for us. So I would say here, he will reward you. Reward is not so much the receiving of what we want or need, but it is the revelation of who we want and need. Do you see that? Do you see the difference? Not so much a, a tangible thing, 
but a God who gives us himself and wants us to know him. And guess what? The more I know him, the more I'll begin to understand the things I want and what I don't want. That's what happens in relationships. You think about that, husbands and wives. Have close folks that are close friends. The more you know them, the more you get an, an understanding of what you ask for and what you don't ask for, what's good, what's wrong, what's, what's not good. See, but this is the picture. This dad basically loves being with his kids. Now, but what he says here is, when you pray, go close, and your father, now you remember we've talked about this, and I'm gonna jump on this kind of quick tonight, your father, who's in secret. Now, remember, we've talked about our father is, either, you know, was Adam. We were spiritually in Adam, separated from God. And when we got in the wheelbarrow, for those of you who've been around for that, said, I do, received the gift, um, we were put into Christ. And at that moment, Adam is no longer my father. God becomes my father because I'm in Christ. And if Christ is the son of God and God places me into Christ, I become a son and a daughter of God, and God becomes my father. So I think we need to see that, the importance of that. We'll go more into that a little bit later. So we see here that an act of intimacy. Now, the Bible also says that we pray through the Son. Here's what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. For through him, that is Jesus, we both, that means Jew and Gentile, have access to the Father by one spirit. Now, how cool is that? Jesus Christ, what he did for us on the cross gives us direct access to the Father. Again, that means, I mean, if you, if you work for the largest corporation in the world, I don't know what that is now. Maybe it's Apple. I don't, I don't know what it is. Microsoft, one of those. It used to be an oil company. Um, but imagine if you went to work there at, at the company and the owner, the CEO of the company says, says hey, Renee, when, uh, I know you're coming to work. You just started. But the CEO says to you, if you've got any questions, I don't want you to go to the director or your manager uh, or your supervisor. Uh, I don't want you to go to a vice president. Uh, I want you to come directly to me, the owner. I don't want you to, to do anything but come to me. How would you feel about that? Feel pretty good about that, wouldn't you? I mean, this is the CEO says, come directly to me. Well, guess what Jesus did? Jesus gave a portal for you and me to go directly to the Father. See, God has not asked us, nor is there anywhere in the Bible that we will see that God directs us to someone other than him to pray. So here's one of the greatest things you and I can hear. You want to you lift your self-esteem? Uh, God says, you come to me. I want to hear from you. That's, that's pretty amazing. And Jesus he made a way by taking us out of Adam and giving us access to the Father by placing us in himself. And that makes us one with Christ in him and therefore God becomes our Father. It also says, this is what Paul writes to, to Timothy, he says, there's one God, there's one mediator between man and God. There is no other way to get to the Father but by Jesus. He is the mediator. He's the one who escorts us. Remember we talked about that scripture a couple of weeks ago, that he, we get forgiveness and he brings us to God. He is our mediator. What he did on the cross is, when, Jesus, when I go to the Father, Jesus would say, hey, Dad, he's with me. And my access is because of what Christ did, not because of what I did. That's incredible. It's incredible grace and mercy that is extended to us through him. And then we see also that the Bible says that we pray in the Spirit. Now, in two weeks, we're going to talk about the person, this mysterious person of the Holy Spirit. 
you know, the third person of the Trinity. But this, I, I, I love this too, because Paul tells the church at Rome this. He says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. You ever find yourself that way? Don't know what to pray for? Don't know how to pray? Um, he says, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. Now, that's great news, because even when I don't know how to pray, if what the Bible's telling me is true, the Holy Spirit knows what to pray, and he prays and he intercedes for us with groans, even groaning. You ever prayed? Have your prayers ever been groans? I've groaned a lot uh, in prayer. Uh, those can't express, but here, what does it say? God is for us. Even when I don't know how to pray, my Father is for me, and the Spirit of God is even interceding for each and every one of us. Amanda, interceding for you. Now, I mean, if this is, we got to get this out of the religious, esoteric realm where we don't get this. God wants us to, as much as we possibly can, get this. Understand that he who created all things has got his eye on you, got his heart on you, and wants you and me to communicate with him. That's incredible. Just fantastic. I mean, I can't imagine anything much more exciting than that. So, but, but prayer is for the purpose of communicating with God. I mean, but, but not just dialogue with anybody. I mean, not just some political survey call at dinner time. Okay, I, I, now imagine tonight, what if the President of the United States were to call you, okay? If he were to call you, I mean, how exciting would that be? Would you excuse me just one second? He's done this for the last four years. Yes, Mr. President. Yes, sir, I know you're a little upset right now. Yes, sir. But you're watching live stream anyway. Hey. Uh-huh. Yes, sir. Um, I'm not sure we could get an alpha course for the Congress, um, but we could try. No, sir, I don't have an, an, an open, I don't have an open golf date, but um, uh, my son David plays all the time, so maybe, um, maybe I, could, I could give you his number. Yeah, okay. Yes, sir, but if you don't mind, I have to get back to something. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, we'll be praying. Yes, okay. Right, thank you. That, that really wasn't the president, in case you didn't know that. Uh, but anyway, I mean, how excited would you be? Now, I don't, it doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Anarchist. It doesn't really matter. If the President of the United States were to call you, you go, whoa. And who wouldn't you want to know? The President of the United States actually called. He didn't butt dial me. He actually meant to call me. How excited would you be? I think each of us would be pretty excited about that. Um, what then if God himself were calling? I mean, we're just talking about the President of the United States. I mean, he's got an expiration date on him. I'm not talking about his term. I'm talking about his life. He's got an expiration date on him. But if God is calling... How much more exciting would that be? And the Bible contends that God is the one who has initiated that call with us and for us. 
question is, will we answer? That's really the question. I'm curious. I mean, what if a friend or relative asked you what you've been doing for the last six weeks? Those of you who've been here for the last six weeks. Um, well, uh, I've been out going to this dinner and, and found out that, that, that God has been trying to get in touch with me and I've been letting all of his calls go to voicemail. Um, really? Um, but I'm thinking about picking up the phone. I'm thinking about paying attention to what's going on. Um, you know, when I think about this, when I, you know, I don't know how, I mean, obviously there are different ages here. My, my, my grandfather was 90 years old um, when he answered the call, when he picked up the phone and he said, okay, I give up. Um, I don't see any 90-year-olds in here tonight, but God is persistently calling and calling and calling. And I'm so grateful that he persisted with me and he didn't say, that's it for that guy. And so think about this. This is a God who is persistent in his pursuit of us, calling on us. See, because everything about God, as I said, is relational. Even his, even his name says and speaks communication. Here's the Gospel of John, the first verse in the first chapter. It, in the beginning was, see the name here? The Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Did you see that? So even his name says, hey, I'm talking to you. His actions and his words are communicating to us that he is interacting with us and wants to. It's his intention. If he didn't want anything to do with you and me or communicate with you and me, he would not have sent his son in the first place. He would not have made himself even known to us in the first place. And so in the beginning was the word. He was with God and he was God. And then here's Jesus. So this is... Um, the beginning, basically, of, of, the, um, of the word of God in the beginning was the word. Christ, even at creation, the word was with God and was God. The word, the next verse says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, that of the only begotten son of God, full of grace and truth. But here's what Jesus is saying the night before he's crucified. This is eternal life. That you know. Now, okay, now if somebody's telling you and you're, you know, you're about to die, let's say, and you don't know when that's going to happen, but you're about to die and somebody says, hey, this is eternal life. That you know, how are you filling that in? That you know what? That you know what? Just tell me what I need to know that I can have eternal life. Well, this is what Jesus says. This is eternal life that you know the Father, not something that you know someone that you no longer just know about Christ, you realize you're in Adam and that God wants to place you in Christ. Eternal life is knowing, again, here it is, the Father. If our Father's Adam, God, according to the Scripture, is not our Father, that you know the Father and Jesus Christ whom He sent. Life is knowing God and to know someone, you must communicate with them or you just know about them from a distance, what you've read about them, what you've heard about them, what other people have said about them. God says he wants us to know them. Eternal life is not about knowing or getting something. Not about getting something. 
and trying then to hold on to it. It's about knowing someone. And again, how do you know anyone? The way you know people are by spending time with them. Now you think about this in terms of, think about the, the person that you're, you're, you're married to. You, you know, you first meet them, and you only know them a little bit, right? You're just getting to know them, first date, seems like a nice guy, seems like a sweet gal, whatever. And uh, then you get to spend a little more time with them, and you, you know them more. And then the more you know them, if you want to hang out with them more, it must be the, that the more you're trusting them. You're actually trusting them more. So the more you know them, the more you begin to trust them. And then, then things start getting a little bit more serious, and then the more you know them, the more you're trusting them, then you're beginning to love them. And uh, suddenly, this love is turning into, into a desire to serve them. So you're knowing them more, you're, you're trusting them more, you're loving them more, and so you're serving them more as well. And then the more you serve them, the more you want to know them. See, this is what it's like with God as well. And that's what it lo looks like in a, in a married relationship. The more you know, the more you trust, the more you trust, the more you love, the more you love, the more you desire to serve. And, and that's why uh, marriages either, either grow apart or grow together because of that knowing and trusting and loving and serving. And that's how it works for, for many, many relationships. It doesn't work for all relationships, though, of course, we know that. But this, this couple in, in particular... Um, this is a couple married for a whole lot of years. Um, at, toward the end of their life, um, they decided to go to Jerusalem. They thought, you know, let's just go, you know, to Jerusalem. And so this, this guy here, he, had a, he had, had a nagging wife. She looks very sweet there, but she really wasn't. Um, and while they were on vacation in Jerusalem, um, suddenly the wife passed away. It was, it was really terrible. And so the undertaker uh, in Jerusalem comes to the gentleman and says, sir, you can, you can have your wife shipped home for $10,000 or you can have her buried here only for 150 American dollars. Um, the man thought about it and um, he told him he would just go ahead and have her shipped home. And the undertaker said, why would you, why would you spend $10,000 to ship her home when you can have her buried here in the Holy Land for only $150. Well, the man uh, paused for a minute and he, he, um, he replied, a uh, long time ago there was a, a, a man uh, who died here um, and three days later uh, he, he rose from the dead. I just can't take that chance. So, um, so you see, in some cases, these don't all work out. But again, <laughs> the more you know them, <laughs> uh, the more you want to know them, the more you will trust them and love them and serve them. And this is what we find. We, the more we know God, the more he builds into us because he's faithful a trust and a deeper and abiding love and the more I want to express my love by serving him and, and telling him, expressing that love by letting others know about that love as well that he has lavished upon me. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, you know, the difference between uh, knowing about someone and then knowing them. 
or having good feelings about someone. We talked about going to a wedding ceremony and I could believe all the right things about Annette and never say I do. And that's what we talked about in terms of Jesus. I could believe maybe all the right things about Jesus, but never get in the wheelbarrow, never say I do. But imagine that, go back to the, to the, um, to the altar there for a minute. I say I do, Annette says I do. We go to that, down the, down the uh, aisle. There are two limos waiting for us at the, at the front of the church or the back of the church where, the, where you come into the church. And there are two limos, which is unusual, two limos at a wedding uh, for the bride and groom. Well, I get into one limo heading this way, and Annette gets into the other limo heading this way. And we both pop our heads up out of the sunroof, and as the limos are driving away from one another, we come up and we go, that was really super. That, hey, great time. Maybe we'll get together again sometime. That was really nice. I hope to see you again. Um, now, has anybody seen anything like that happen at a wedding? I hope not. I hope not. Um, why? Because marriage, the I do, <laughs> is just the beginning of something. Okay? You don't, you don't say I do and then go, okay, that was good. Let's check that off my bucket list of things to do. It's just the beginning. The wedding is just the beginning. Saying I do to Jesus, getting in the wheelbarrow, receiving the gift is just the beginning. Like, Annette and I have been married 42 years now. And... Um, we were married when we were 21, and so when we got married, um, I had 21 years, almost 22 years of being, experience being single, and then one day of being married, okay? Much more ex single experience than married experience. Well, guess what I needed to do? I needed to get to know this woman, she needed to get to know me so that I knew what it was to be a married man. Okay, when I said I do to Jesus, I needed to begin to know what it was to be a married man, a man that no longer was independent, single, but beginning to put my knowing and my trusting and my learning and my serving, not into myself, but into God who has given me himself completely and says, Frank, you know, in spite of you, I'm never going to leave you. In spite of you, I'm never going to divorce you. In spite of you, I've got you, and I want you to know me. And the more you know me, the more you listen to me, the more we communicate, the more your relationship with me will grow and grow and grow. And so communication is so important. I do is just the beginning. So let's just take a look at a model of prayer that Jesus showed us. In the Gospel of Mark, um, this is what Jesus uh, is told of Jesus, how Mark writes, it said, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, why so early? <laughs> I know what your day's like, if it's anything that my day's like. I need to get up early. It's, now, maybe you're not a morning person. Maybe your time's at late. But just those few moments alone are so important. Jesus knew he was about to be inundated with people. He was about to be inundated with issues. And he knew if he hadn't gotten that early time to be with his father, to communicate with his father, just to be still, to trust his father, 
there was not going to be that sense of exhilaration, that sense of knowing, that sense of security, that sense of awareness that God was with him. It's just, so a model of prayer that Jesus gives, uh, gives us is the same thing, basically, that we just read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Okay? Go into your room. Close the door. Be with your Father. He'll reward you with greater revelation of himself. And so as we, even as we look at prayer in that regard, um, and we look about why we're praying, there are the, the benefits, I would say the greatest benefit of knowing him is that we become more like him. The benefit of praying and communicating and just being with him as we get to know him more. One of the greatest attributes there is just something called joy, okay? Here's what Jesus says in John 16. He says, until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Now again, what he's not saying is just carte blanche, genie in the bottle, what do you want? That, that's not it. Fullness of joy. Now, how many of you have always wanted something? That, 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 that new car, that new house, that new job, and you got it. How full of joy were you for a month after that? See, fullness of joy only comes from the one who pervades fullness of joy. It's only given by the one who is joy. We have things that happen in our lives that make us happy. We have things that happen in our lives that make us unhappy. Okay? But happiness is about what happens and doesn't happen. Joy is something God says that comes out of his heart that is ours whether we are unhappy or happy. It's something that, that pervades circumstances. And Jesus says your fullness of joy comes from a God who came to give you fullness of life and is his very character. And the way I get to know that more and more is by getting to know him more and more. And then peace. I mean, I think if anybody's looking for anything, joy and peace will be two right there at the top. Here's what Paul says to the church at, at Philippi. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will, I love this word here, guard your heart, your emotions, and guard your mind, your thinking, your intellect. Where? In Christ Jesus. That little two-letter word that we didn't think much about and we repassed, that in word is pretty important because we're guarded as we're in Christ Jesus. And so he says the peace, doesn't necessarily say here that you're going to get what you want, but he says in the midst of it, ask, but thank God that he knows what's best because he's your dad. If you're in Christ, he's your dad. Tell God what you want. And then he says here, the peace of God, which doesn't make any sense, that's what passes all understanding, will be like a security guard around your heart and a security guard around your mind in Jesus Christ. That is, that is great news. You see, the beauty of communication with God, once I'm in Christ, is that I grow to know him more and now come to him as his child, as as my kids, our kids did with us. And that's a, that's a wonderful thing. 
They come because they trust me. My kids came to me because they trust me. Trusted me. I hope they still trust me. Um, because they know they need me. They trust me. They know they need me. But they also come just to be with me. Isn't it great when your kids just come to you and they're not asking for the car keys or they're not asking for the credit card or they're not asking for other things. They just want to be with you. They come just because they love you. See, and I would say that most of us, as it, as it deals with God in a religious setting, you know, that, that meological setting of trying to reach God on our own terms, thinking that if, I, if I'm good, God will answer my prayers. It, the, the challenge uh, with that is that it doesn't require a relationship with God. I'm not coming to him for him. I'm coming to him for his stuff. See, God says, no, I, I want you to know me. And the more you know me, you'll, the more you'll know that I'm not going to give you what is not good for you. And even when things happen that you wonder, God, if you love me, uh, what's going on here? Even in that, you'll know he is in that, as painful as that may be. So the issue was that I had no idea, really had no idea, that this God who made me loved me, desired me, and could not have done more to prove it. Um, and since getting in that wheelbarrow, saying I do, receiving the gift, I mean, I have experienced that. And my life has been changed forever. So, page 31, does God always answer prayer? Yes, he does. He answers prayer, yes, not now. Um, I've got something better for you. Uh, you gotta be out of your flipping mind if you think I'm gonna answer that. Um, because we don't know what's best. But God will always answer. Yes, no, not now. He's going to answer. This is, um, John Stott wrote this. He said, if God says no, the requests are either not good in themselves or not good for us or for others, either directly or indirectly, immediately or ultimately. See, because God, I have to believe that, you know, for those of who are old enough, Father knows best. He knows what we should get. He knows what we need. He sees the long term. He sees how uh, Jack Taylor, great pastor, teacher, he said, I believe I'm more grateful for the prayers God didn't answer yes to than I am for the ones he did. Because if he'd answered half the prayers I prayed, yes, I'd be ruined. And you know that today, as long as you've lived. Some things that you prayed for, oh God, give me that guy. Oh Lord, give me that girl. Oh God, give me that job. Give me that, give me that. And had you gotten it, you'd been ruined. Aren't you glad? It's good, it's good parents when you tell your kids no, because you know stuff they don't know. <laughs> now, they don't believe that until they're parents, but that's what happens. So, but one of the things I want to talk about tonight with us too is that one of the ways in which we pray is by just praying scripture back to God. And I think it's one of the, the coolest things that we can do it all through the Bible, particularly through the Psalms. There are 150 Psalms, P-S-A-L-M-S, -S, Psalms in the Bible. And most of those are prayers to God. What I want us to do, I want you to take the, your, your Alpha Bible, if you've got it, and I want you to turn to page 506. 
Let's do this real quick. Page 506. Now, I'm going to bring you to a scripture that you're familiar with. Um, it's called, um, it's Psalm 23. And you're familiar with this scripture. You'll hear this scripture at lots of funerals. I would argue, it's fine to have this scripture at a funeral, but I would argue that it's too late um, to read Psalm 23 at a funeral. I mean, you're just wasting a really good prayer. Um, so you familiar, you're familiar with right, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Whatever that means, you know, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow, of no evil for you with me. Okay, so that's great. That's a great, that's a great psalm. But what I want us to do now, I want to take that, I want us to take that and turn it into a direct prayer to God. Okay, you with me? A direct prayer to God. So just go with me here, stay with me here, and listen to me turn this into a prayer directly to God. Lord, you are my shepherd. That means I am your sheep. That means you're in control of me, and therefore I there is nothing I shall not want because you are my provider. Lord, you've made a way for me to lie down in green pastures, places of peace, places of provision. Lord, that's what your promise is to my soul, promise of peace and provision. Lord, you lead me beside still waters, deep waters where there's refreshment, you restore my soul. Lord, when I, my life is anxious, you have promised to restore my mind, my will, my emotions. You lead me, Lord, towards you, toward, in paths of righteousness, paths that bring me to you so that I don't dishonor you. Lord, I don't want to dishonor you. I want my life to be one which is a path that leads myself, me to you and others to you. And Lord, even when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. You promised to be with me. Lord, I can count on you to be with me. Therefore, I need not fear evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, they protect me, they keep me in line where I need to be. Lord, I want that. I need that. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So I'm going to stop there because I don't want to go too long with this. But do you see what I'm saying? You take that script and you turn it into a direct, hey, Lord, you're my shepherd. Where are you? I haven't gone anywhere. I don't know where you are right now. I need to know you. I want to feel your crook leading me back or directing me or correcting me. I need that. You think God's put off by that? No, because he knows what you're thinking anyway. He knows what you and I are thinking. And so just... I, God likes prayer like that. Can I tell you? He likes bold prayer. That's also humble prayer. That also puts him in his spot and puts me in my spot. That's what he wants. You lose someone so dear to you and you go, Lord, how am I going to get through this? I will not make it through this without you. I desperately need you as broken as I am, as Empty as I feel, you must be with me. 
And scripture is there in abundance for whatever circumstance, whether it's a joyful circumstance of praising him, because that is prayer as well, any form of communication, or our hearts are broken. And so that's, that's just, I could give you so many more analogies. And tonight with, at your tables, you're going to get a chance to do a little bit of that as well. But I wanted to do this as I'm, as I'm closing. I want to take us to um, what is called um, the Lord's Prayer. It's actually better would be said called the Disciples' Prayer. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13, the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Remember that? Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray this way, okay? Or pray like this. And so what we've got is, I'm just going to call this the table of contents for what we call the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer. Better, I think, best said, the Disciples' Prayer. So first line, instead of, so here's what I'm trying to ask you to do here. Instead of just, you know you do this or did that. If you, if you grew up in a tradition like I did, you did this. Okay, I got to say 10 of these. How fast can I possibly say 10 of these? Okay, now, now I'm not saying that to be ugly or critical of anybody but me, all right? But could you imagine having a relationship with your spouse where you just said what you had to say as quickly and mindlessly as you possibly could so you could be done with it? Would you say that? Would you have communication like that with anyone? Hopefully not. But do we not... Say, hey, God, our Father, word in heaven, hallowed be the name of the kingdom come, and will be done on earth. It doesn't have a gift. There, daily bread forgives the trespasses. We forgive those trespasses against us. It's not in temptation to live from evil. The lives of the power of glory forever and ever. Amen. MSRP. I mean, would any of us do that? None of us would do that. Whoa. But we do that. I do that. And so what if we did this? When Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, he's not saying, memorize this, and use it as a rabbit's foot, okay? Memorize this, say this, and you're gonna get what you want and not what you don't want. And that's exactly what we've done. We took what Jesus said and flipped it over. He says, pray like this because he wanted us, let's just look at this, our Father, disciples prayer, as something that's more of a, each line of it, the, chapter, the, the title of a chapter as opposed to that's all it is. Here it is. That's it. Right there. Okay. Father. Okay, remember, here's this Our Father again. Not, and it's interesting too. When you pray, pray like this. Our Father. Do you see there's something of a corporateness in this? That yes, we pray in secret, in our room, closing the door. But there's also time, and I heard some of that going on tonight earlier, when I'm praying together with others in Christ, our Father in heaven, hallowed. Okay, that word hallowed, I think of Halloween. Don't you think of Halloween when you think hallowed? Holy is your name. Now, when I look in the Bible, if I want to just take a little time and I could look up some scriptures about God being holy, I could begin to pray those prayers. God, you're holy. Your name is holy. The Bible says there is none holy like you. There is none beside thee. You are holy in all your ways. And so I could begin to build that. I begin to write a chapter on God's heavenly holiness. Look, your kingdom come. What, what, what does that mean? That means, Lord, I want your kingdom to come into my life. 
I want you to be the king of this, this domain, if you will. I want you to rule from my heart. I want to be able to acknowledge your kingship over my life. King of God, king of the kingdom, come and live in me. Your kingdom come. Your Next, your will be done on earth. Or how about this? Your will be done in me as it is in heaven. I want you to change me. I want through the communication that we have together for you to change me from the inside out. Your king, since your kingdom is in me, your kingdom has come in me because I'm now in Christ and Christ is in me. I now want your kingdom purposes to be accomplished through me. To place you above me, your will above mine. Lord, your will, your will for for my marriage, your will for my children, my grandchildren, my work, my health. Your kingdom has come in me, so I want your will to be done in me as it is in heaven, because he knows best. And here, God knows, give us this day our daily bread. Look, I'm, 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 in, the, I'm in the recruiting business, I'm in the sales business. I need to have people that I can place, and I need to have jobs that I can place people in. Guess what I do? I pray for people to place, and I pray for jobs to place people in. That's what I do. Why wouldn't I? God said, basically, Lord, uh, I'm saying to him, Lord, uh, we get our bread by placing people. That's how that happens. Okay, however you do it, there's nothing wrong with asking for it. Okay, but knowing at the same time that God is in control. And so, okay, I... You're holy, I want your kingdom to come, I want your will to be done, and since I'm believing all those things about you, I know I can ask for this because you're my dad, you're my father. I can, I can ask for these things, okay? And then here, um, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now this, gotta get through this quickly, but this is a rough one. Does anybody wanna be forgiven the way uh, we forgive our debtors, okay? Do you really want to be forgiven that way? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what is, what, is God tell, what is Christ telling us here? You don't have it in you. I think this is where Jesus brings us to a stopping point. Because, Lord, I don't forgive as you have forgiven me. I don't forgive and forget. I may forgive, but I'm not going to forget. And what is the Lord bringing us to here? I would argue that God, Jesus, in this prayer, brought us to this place to say, do not ever depend upon yourself for the ability to forgive anyone the way I have forgiven you. Which, what does that do? It brings me to be more dependent on his kingdom coming into me and his being the one that gives me the power to forgive as I have been forgiven. That is what he does. Do you see that? It's to bring us outside of our ability to do for ourselves, to say that, oh, I forgive you. No, remember, Jesus forgave us of the greatest sin we had ever committed. God the Father forgave us of the greatest sin we had ever committed. Do you, do you know that, what that sin was? Just think about it for a second. Think about the greatest sin you've ever committed. Okay, you got it? All right, Deb, go ahead, tell it. No, I'm not just kidding. Um, you and I are responsible for hanging Jesus Christ on a cross. 
It was my sin that did that. See? So if God forgave me of being responsible for the crucifixion of his son, what will I, what can I not forgive? When you think about that. Forgive us and give us the strength to forgive others. That's the only way we're going to forgive by his strength to do that. It's, it's impossible any other, any other way. And, and then, and lead us not into temptation, <laughs> but deliver us from evil. See, uh, Lord, thank you that you do not lead me into temptation, but oftentimes, guess what I do? I lead myself into temptation. You ever lead yourself into temptation? Yeah, yeah. But Lord, deliver me from evil. Sometimes I should say, deliver, deliver me from the evil one. And so we see through all of this, God is wanting to confirm through that prayer and a prayer that we expand into novel form, even something that says, here's chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, four, five, six uh, as well. And then tonight also at your tables, you may talk about this acrostic, you know, that is an A-C-T-S acrostic that um, is a, is a, a, a mode of prayer, but I don't have time to go through that with you right now. So, but here's the thing, the greatest, the most important prayer is really the prayer of surrender to Jesus Christ. That is the greatest prayer you and I will ever pray. The most important prayer you and I will ever pray. There is no more important communication with God than saying, I do. Than saying, I want to receive the gift of Jesus Christ, of eternal life. I want to know you. You will never have greater communication with God than that statement of saying to him, come into my life, your kingdom. I want your kingdom to come into my life. I want your will to be done in my life. That is what I want. And that is the beginning of what Jesus said was life, right? This is eternal life, knowing the Father and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. This is the beginning of life and life more abundantly and in that we get taken out of separation from God and we get placed into Christ who says I will never leave you or turn my back on you I will be with you forever I'll close with this quote uh, by Christian O'Hallisby he says as we learn I think it's going to say that maybe it won't there we go as we learn to know Jesus our prayers become quiet confidential or full of confidence and blessed conversations with him our best friend about the things that are on our mind could you ever imagine that this is what prayer was having this type of deep intimate communion with God who created all things but when you think about it, yes, he did create all things, but he created you so that you would know him, experience him in all that he desired and designed for you to experience him. So you could even say, as Hallisby wrote here, conversations with him. Look at this. Our best friend? Well, I, would, I will tell you this. The more you spend time with him, the more you just get quiet with him, read his word, the more you hang out with others, the more you will realize this God who created me desires to be. 
his best friend as he desires for me to know him in that bit of intimacy. So I'd like to do this just as we close. Let me just, I just wanted to pray for a moment, then we'll take a quick break. I want to thank you guys for being with us live stream. Um, if you've got uh, any, uh, you can go to the Lakeview Christian Center's app again tonight so you can download any questions if you want to do that. We'll have those questions here. Next week, chapter 7 is How Can I Resist Evil? This is a very interesting chapter uh, that I'm excited about uh, us being together in. It's actually session 12, I think, in your manual. But let me pray for us as we close. Lord, thank you that you initiated this. You want us to know you. You want us to know you, Father, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. And so, Lord, tonight, I, I would just welcome us again if, uh, to just say, Lord, uh, for years I've known about you, but I've never said I do. I've never received the gift. I've never gotten in the wheelbarrow. But tonight, I want to pray the most important prayer I'll ever pray. And that's to say, your kingdom come in me. Your will be done in me on earth as it is in heaven. Come. I want you to be my savior. I want all my sins forgiven. And I want to know you that way now until the day I see you face to face. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us online. We're going to enjoy some time here together. Hope you all enjoy some time uh, in your homes, and we will see you again next week. Let's take a quick break, and we'll get back to our tables.